Welcome to episode 16 of the Body Mechanic Podcast with Rob Arnold from Chrysalis Fitness Training. My name's Mark Wakeley and I'm here to ask Rob the questions that I hope you want answered. Uh, before we get started, let me tell you a little bit about previous episodes that we've done because as I said, we're up to episode 16 now. Uh, we've already had ones on quantum biology, which I sort of understood. Uh, movement for memory. Uh, is running bad for you? That was an interesting one as well. Uh, will health tech keep me healthy? Fitness training at home. And uh, the last episode we did, which was the end of last year, was New Year's resolutions and how to stick to them. There's a number of other episodes as well. I've not listed them all there. But if you do want to have a look, search for the Body Mechanic podcast with Rob Arnold from Chrysalis Fitness Training, or you can go to 1386audio.com forward slash have a listen and they're all on there as well so have a little listen and pick out the ones you think might be of interest to you okay this week we've been having a little chat before we started haven't we rob yes and uh, he's told me about some of his plans for this year so this week's episode is called i've never made a panna cotta would you like to explain that to us because it doesn't seem like a health and fitness title to me towards the end of last year i think it was october I signed up for two races this year. One's in July, one's in September. One's in the Brecon Beacons and one is in Snowdonia. And they're both 100 miles. Now, I don't know if I can run 100 miles because I've never run 100 miles before. But then again, I've never made a panna cotta either. So swings and roundabouts. And that's where we got the title from. <laughs> and and it, it's, it's very simple. He's never made a panna cotta. He's never run 100 miles before. And he's going to do it twice this year. And... You're doing this for yourself, of course, but there's also other reasons you're doing it as well. You'd like to explain those to us. Yeah, I mean, I've done big distance races in the past. I say races. I've not been racing. For me, it's just been an event and just completing it. But uh, because of the big distance things I've done in the past, I've, I've always done it for a charity. It's been for me. And then the secondary thing is doing it for charity. And it was the same with um, with these races. So I signed up for them, doing it for me. And it's just like, like we said in the last episode, it's having reasons. There's always emotion behind it. But then the last big thing I did was a race called the Dragon's Back Race. And that starts in the north of Wales and goes down to the south of Wales in Cardiff over six days through the mountains. Every charity I've picked before has kind of been military because potentially that could benefit me in the future. But I also I wanted to do something for a local charity as well. And originally I'm from uh, Staffordshire, not Shropshire, so... I didn't know what was around here. And then I found online this place called Hope House. And it's um, it's a children's hospice. It helps uh, families whose children are dying. It helps them after the children have died. And th they do some amazing work. And I haven't got kids. I've, I've been in some places where you've got, you've got children that haven't got anything. And that's with the military. And then there's something endearing about them. And then when you look at, a, a thing like a hospice I can't fathom how it must be to be told that your child's dying I mean I've got uh, I've got friends who've kids have had leukemia and, and things like that but they're, they're fine now but to be told that you're going to lose your child I, I think there's something heartbreaking in that so Hope House has really touched you personally you know you feel like it's something that you can really relate to emotionally shall we say yeah yeah running distance when you run like it doesn't matter what your ability is because everything's relative to you. So at the minute, I'm out of condition. So if I was to try and run like a three-hour marathon, I'd be broken. But run, doing like 50 miles, 100 miles, 
it's going to hurt. There's no chasing it. It's going to hurt. But then nothing's going to hurt as much as being told that you're going to lose your child. So we'll go back to the to the actual what you're going to do in the running and all that sort of stuff, which is, I think, what people would want to know about because it will help them with any preparations they've got for similar kind of events. This, the, your second charity, what, what's that as well? Because you're doing this for two separate charities. I am, yeah. Um, and then the second one is West Mercia Search and Rescue. Now, they, they do lowland rescue, so most people have heard of mountain rescue. These guys do lowland rescue and being in Shropshire at this time of year, so we're in January now, and it's been raining quite heavily and there's been lots of floods. So they do things helping people out with the floods, so they'll go around, they rescue people, that they search for people that have gone in the river. But they, they also do um, important work with the police as well. So if someone goes missing, so if you've got a risk to life, they'll advise the police on the best way to search and they'll go out and search as well. But also people that have got dementia that just wander off and they don't know where they are, they'll, they'll go and look for them as well. And that, again, they do a lot of other important work, which I, I can't summarise in, in this, but hopefully I can get them in to talk about it. And throughout the, the journey of me training for these events, I'm going to get them to do little things. I'm going, I'm looking at going and doing some training with Search and Rescue as well to get, give me an insight and hopefully I'll go and visit um, Hope House. It's interesting you talk about the Search and Rescue because um, th- there is a programme that Channel 4 do uh, sometimes called missing person and they're very very high profile in that program although it's a police thing the um search and rescue for whichever area that the program is set in uh, always get involved and it's a volunteer service isn't it yeah yeah so it's fully fully voluntary but obviously they've got vehicles and they, they need to keep the vehicles places they've got other other costs so they need to raise revenue quite a few thousand a year that they need to raise just to maintain because they need to pay for fuel and everything and for to keep the vehicles insured, and then Hope House, they need to raise seven million a year to to keep running. Any charity is incredible, you know. When you look at things like the hospices and the RNLI, all these people who who do these things voluntary and they raise money, they're all charity organisations. I always find that incredible. Going back to the actual the. the physical running side of it uh, and the practicalities of that. Where do you now start? When wh- What date is your first 100 miles? That is the 27th of July, I think. Okay, so we're looking at, it's still six months away for us. So have you already got a plan in your head of what you're going to do over the next six months to bring yourself up to, you know, the point where when you get to the end of July, you're at the peak of where you want to be? Have you already got those things in your head? Yeah, so... Um- the plan started back when I signed up for the race. So I started from a really low base level just to start moving again. Obviously, December's not been great because it's been Christmas. Now, I've got digestion problems, which people probably don't want to hear about, but I'm going to tell you anyway. So I, I've got a thing called Barrett's esophagus and hiatus hernia. And then I've got something else going on with my intestines as well, which means that I can't eat sugar. If I eat sugar, I blow up and I get really, really tired, which is not the best thing you want when you're trying to do big distance. And I found that out when I was training for the Dragon's Back. So you can't take energy from sugar and things like that from no. the sugar. Though the energy bars, a lot of them are glucose, aren't they? Yeah, so I, I can't eat any of that. Uh, I can do corn and I can do fructose because uh, fructose is digested differently. It's digested in the liver like alcohol. But I also can't eat starchy things, so I can't do bread, pasta, rice, potatoes. So I've had to work out different ways of getting energy in. Uh, and what I'm going to use is the the next few months to refine my strategy 
So it's not a gluten thing. So everyone, I say it, everyone says, oh, is it gluten? No, it's, it's not gluten. So for those that don't know, gluten's a protein. My problem is the actual sugars. What I can eat is rye. So I've been experimenting. I've been doing a little bit of baking with um, rye flour, almond flour, and uh, malt barley extract. It wasn't too bad. Uh, I can eat dates, and dates are full of slow-release sugar, as, as in the form of fructose. Because uh, fructose is very much a fruit-based sugar, isn't it? Um, yeah. What is in oranges and apples and things like that. Yeah. I think my strategy now is looking at what am I able to graze on as well? Because you've got to think with all these foods as well, it's, it, you've got to carry it and that adds weight. So that's more low to, but also your body's got to process it and it takes a lot longer to process this than glucose. So that's obviously the first big hurdle is getting the diet right and getting the intake right so that you know that you've got enough energy to actually complete these these things. Not just Not just the actual run, but all the training that's going to go into it between now and July. Yeah. And when we say run, I'm not going to run 100 miles. I'm going to cover 100 miles. There'll be lits, little bits of running. There'll be lot, lots of bits of walking. I know you use walking poles yourself. I, I teach Nordic walking. Uh, I'm going to do a few things this year for Nordic walking as well, like teaching people. But I'm going to use Nordic walking poles as well. And the research shows that when you use poles, you don't work any less hard. You still work as hard, sometimes harder. But what it does do is it takes the load out of the legs. This is what I find with the poles. I've spoken about this on the podcast before, is that it distributes the energy that you use. So you're using your shoulders and your arms a lot more than you would do if you're just walking along. Yeah. And it also leaves some of the pressure on my slightly dodgy knees as well. And I find that I can walk a lot further with poles than I can if I'm just walking you know, normally. I'm not sure that walking poles is abnormal, but you know what I mean. <laughs> One of the things I would like to point out as well is we are going to do an episode on nutrition and all the different aspects that that involves, whether it's weight maintenance, weight loss, energy for exercise, all the other things that nutrition involves, you know, skin and all the other things. We will do an episode on that in the near future. But at the moment, what we want to do is really look at how Rob is going to prepare himself physically and possibly mentally as well for what he's got coming. So will you have a, a, a running regime? Will you have a timetable of I'm going to run five miles today and then I'm going to do 10 miles next week and so on and so forth? Yeah, I've got that already. So it started off with, with shorter runs. and it, So it's not just running, there's, there's strength and conditioning as well. Because if you just run, then it's not going to strengthen the rest of your system. To go up and down hills, you need to have strength in the legs as well. You need to build muscle. So there's sessions of running, the sessions of using Olympic rings, because that helps to work on core strength as well. There's little bits of kind of Tai Chi, Qigong, yoga stuff in there as well, mobility. So mobility, I look at mobility as um, like miniature strength training, because you, you train strength in, in different ranges of movement with mobility. So the idea is, is is it's a whole body thing. It's not just building muscles up in your legs. It's the upper part of your body, the core, everything yeah. that you need to be able to run, obviously, with the right posture. Because obviously running out or making 100 miles, should we say what I say? We keep calling it running. But covering 100 miles, you need to have the right posture the whole way through, don't you? Yeah, it's go it's going to go at some point. It's just you're going to fatigue. And so with the, with the first race, that's the one in the Brecon Beacons. 
the time limit is 40 hours. And then the one in Snowdonia, the time limit is 42 hours. And that'll be because the hills are slightly bigger, but it's still a big ask. So I've worked out that if I do 20 minute miles, that puts me well inside the time, but it's still like 30, 30 odd hours of constant moving. Yeah, uh, it, it fills me with horror, <laughs> the thought of even doing that. But uh, it's an incredible thing that, you, that you've decided to do here. What we'll do with the podcast is we will follow Rob's progression, basically. In the podcast, we will have a small section every single episode. Rob will be telling us how he's doing, what he did last month, and uh, hopefully we'll be talking to the people from Hope House and from the Search and Rescue, the Mercia Search and Rescue as well, and telling us a little bit about what they do. So let's talk a little bit more about the programme and, and the build-up to the to the first one. And how much of a gap is there between the first and the second as well? So the first one is on the 27th of... which start, I say it's on. It starts on the 27th of July. And then the next one is on the 14th of September. So there's... there's like back, back month and a half, is that? In between? Something, something like that, yes. But in theory, you're... Training should be at quite a high level by the time you finish the first one. Yeah, so I've, I've worked it out. My, my distance gradually increases during the week. It's not crazy distances just because you can't do that during the week because it takes time to cover distance. And then there's there's long, we'll say long runs with inverted commas on weekends. So how many times a week will you go out? That's going to change as the, as the programme changes. Obviously, you've put together a, an actual programme. What, what's the actual programme that you're going to be doing? So w when I first put the programme together, it started in October. And then it goes for 48 weeks. And that leads me up to the Snow Snowdonia race. So it's a 40-week training programme. Like any plan, it doesn't survive first contact. That's what the military say. And things get in the way. It's, it's kind of loose. When I say loose, it's like things are going to change. I know things are going to change, so I just have to accept that and not stress about it. Because when you start stressing about it, that takes both physical and emotional energy, and no one needs that. It's it's not worth stressing about. So I, I broke it down into different phases. So for the first four weeks, I had that down as base building. What does base building involve? So imagine just starting from the lowest effort you can do. So I, I started off, the first sessions were like um, an easy five miles on flat. And what I did to start with as well was, I'm not sure if we've spoken about it in the past, was nose breathing. So I'd actually go out, take, take my mouth and just force myself to breathe through the nose. I think we have mentioned that before. I can't remember which episode, yeah. but I think it was something that you'd spoken to me about. Yeah, I've got a little gadget as well, which you stick up your nose and it just pushes nostrils out to make it easier to breathe through the nose. And, and just by practicing that, it makes your, your breathing more efficient. But when I say base building, it's just starting to build the foundations of strength and starting to condition the, the body to going over a little bit of a distance. And it depends on, on what you're doing. This is specifically for building up to 100 miles. I mean, you can have base building for anything. After that, it was looking on building a strong foundation. So we've got the base and then we're building on that foundation. And how long is that base building process? How many weeks is that? That was just four weeks. Four weeks, right, okay. And then for the next uh, eight weeks after that, that was the build a strong foundation that that's i've missed some bits there because we had december and i'll be honest with you mark i like cake i also like mince pies however from what we said earlier they don't like me so that that affected my training 
because so, so that puts you back a little bit. So you've got to sort of yeah not start again, but but move you know a longer period of that of that base building because it, it makes me tired. It was making me like so I, I couldn't train. Well, I could train. So but what happens is then I fatigue a lot quicker. And then for for anyone that's been to the gym and done exercise and that you know when you get that um, that post exercise pain the DOMS. So I'd get that, but from doing stuff that wouldn't really affect me normally. Uh, and then from there, so the phase I should be on now is hill training and strength building. And hill training mainly because I'm going to do a lot of hills. Now, hill fitness is a lot different to just normal running. It, it affects you differently. And not, not just running on um, tarmac hills. So running on hills in, in mountainous areas, it's very different. So we've got hill repetitions in there on tarmac. But then on the weekends for the long phases... That's off-road. So we're looking at, um, I've got it down as long run, but that could be a walk in mountainous areas. So this weekend, I might go and do something like Wenlock Edge, which is reasonably flat, but it's just building up that distance as well. Because it's off-road, there's ups and downs. So that's the hill aspect of it. And it'll be walking as well as running. You'll do a bit of both. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then that'll move on to like other hills. So I'm just going to pick different hills or, or different areas because you may as well get out and do it. And how many miles would that be uh, in each session? So in, in my program, it's 20 to 25 miles for the long stage. But if I don't do 20 to 25 miles, if I go down a certain area and it's not that far, I'm not going to lose. If, if it's 15 miles, that's fine because we're still in the early stages of the training, really. And then I'll move it on. We'll, we'll start doing bigger hills. So like Care Caradoc or over the, um, the Shropshire Hills because the idea is to condition yourself to going up and down the hills. Distance is nice. But it could be a little bit secondary as well because you've got you've got to listen to your body as well. If if you're starting to struggle, then there's no point forcing it because we don't need to yet. Okay, what's the next? So how long does that stage last for? That's eight weeks, yeah. Uh, no, that one's a, this is a lot longer. Oh right, okay. So we we've gone four weeks, eight weeks. What are we on next? So that's twelve weeks. So that phase was twelve weeks. So you got three months really for that. That's why we don't get too concerned at the start of it about about worrying about the distances. So if I don't make 20 miles, I don't make 20 miles. Will you increase the distance as the 12 weeks goes on? Yeah, so it, it's going to be, like I say, I've got 20 to tw 25 down. The other things that to take in consideration are the conditions as well. So if I go over some hills or, or into some mountains, depending on the weather, it might not be feasible to go that quick because of visibility. So you've got to take safety into account as well. You don't want to really want to meet the charity that you're going to be no. working for, the search and rescue, before you've actually done the run. No, at least do some training with them first. <laughs> and then the next phase, that's extended long runs and simulations. So we're starting to simulate doing distance. So the, long, the long runs, again, we're looking at not big distances during the week, so eight to 10 miles, maybe building up a little bit more because I'm not looking at speed. And because I'm not looking at speed, it's going to take more time. So it's more about endurance and technique. Yeah, because if you train for speed, when you go out and you start, you're going to start fast. And then, as, as you know, I'm not going to be able to take the, the sugar in to keep going. So uh, I'll just fatigue and then I'll, I'll hit the wall and I'll bomb. And, and then that will take you up to the actual events, uh, that final phase. Uh, no, and then... Oh, we've still got another one. There's one more phase, yes. Yeah. So then we've got tapering and race prep. Okay, ta tapering, please explain. So with the tapering, so you, you'll, you'll train yourself up towards a peak. And then what happens is if you keep training at that peak, then when it comes to the event day, 
you're fatigued. So you train up to a peak. And then when you taper, you take a few weeks and just tone it down a little bit. And that allows your body to recover. So when you actually go into race day, it's still ready for, for that kind of event. So you're sort of at peak condition at that point when the, when the race starts, but you've not expanded all the energy in the, the yeah, two yeah. weeks before. And, and, and that athletes do this when they train for, for big events like big meets and the Olympics and that thing. They do all the work well in advance and then yeah, when it comes then, to it, they're, they're resting and eating yeah, properly and got, so on. Yeah, so when I, when I say taper, so we're looking at like five, during the weeks, five to eight miles and then on the weekends, the long run, that'll be 12 to 15 on varied, varied terrain. That's only a few weeks. It's just to keep the body ticking over, ready. I see. And then the point between the two races, so we've got about six weeks between the two. Yeah. So um, will you just keep that that taper level there so the body's already at, at the condition you want it to be at are you just going to maintain it at that level yeah so what, I, what i've done so into race week i'm not doing anything i might just get on a treadmill and walk we've got a treadmill in the house so watch the football have a walk up or watch a film have a walk on the treadmill it's easy to stop then you haven't got to go anywhere you can just stop and have a sit down i'm not a massive fan of treadmills however it's useful because just boiling the kettle Time on the feet helps. So boil the kettle while, while the kettle's boiling, just have a walk. I watched part of the Africa Cup of Nations the other day while I was stood on, stood on Shemmel having a walk. Okay, so, so that's the kind of thing you'll do. You'll do those kind of things and just, it's maintaining really yeah. and, and to, up to that to yeah. those points. Then we've got race day. I've got two days for race day because it's going to be over two days, Saturday and Sunday. And then for two weeks after, I'm doing nothing. I mean, I'm going to take. A, I'm going to need some time to recover after that, just to let my muscles recover. And then, like I say, I'll see. I'll see how I feel. It might just be walking on a treadmill. Might be going out for a walk, or just doing a little bit of mobility stuff on the floor. And then we've got four weeks, and it, it's exactly like you said. Go back. Go back to the tapering stage. So you're just maintaining the level of conditioning. Yeah. And then once you've done the second one, is there like a a warm down process, or do you just stop? I'm going to stop for a couple of weeks. I, I don't think you can just stop. So you're going to need a little bit of time to recover, but it'll be exactly the same as in between the races where I have that couple of weeks and it might just be a little bit of walking. It's, it's not just the muscles. It has a massive effect on all your internal organs as well. You need to stop and, and take a stock of that as well because I know we spoke about um, persistence running in the past and things like that, but we're not designed to do these kinds of distances. So you need to take a stock and just see what's happening. And then back to nutrition again. So nutrition can help to sort your system out as well. Okay, right. Well, that that is an incredibly good description of what you're going to be doing over the whole year, it looks like, uh, this year. As I said, we're, get, we're going to follow Rob's journey on this as well. We'll do a little bit in each podcast about where he is and what point he's at the training with, and we'll have a little recap as well. And if you're thinking of doing something similar, I'm sure Rob would be really happy to talk to you about it if you want to email him. It's uh, rob at chrysalis-fitness.com. Chrysalis spelled C-H-R-Y-S-A-L-I-S. And also the website is www.chrysalis-fitness.com. So if you've got any questions at all for Rob, uh, he'd be really happy to talk to you about it. If you want some advice about something or you want to use his professional services as well, have a little look on there and get in touch with him. Just quickly about what we were talking about before. Did you have any New Year's resolutions or did you not go with it? And in the end, obviously um, you've got this training going on, which is almost like a change of lifestyle. Yeah, no, I've, I haven't done any resolutions. Um, 
like I said in the last podcast, you can just keep goals rolling over and over. So I'd already set my goal, which was these two races because I signed up in, in October. Yeah, and, and, and something that I've been reading about is goals and uh, habits and so on. And one of the things they say is, it's not necessarily about the goal, it's about how you get to the goal. It's the system you put in place. Yeah. So like we said, it's all about the outcome and the goal is a stepping stone. Absolutely, which is what we talked about in the last episode. Yeah. Uh, so please have a look at that. It's easy to find. If you just look for The Body Mechanic on your uh, podcast app, you will find it there. We'll be back in around about a month's time with some more fantastic information all about how you can become fitter and do your own training and everything else and what Rob is up to. We will have an update of where you are with your training program. You can tell us all about that and where you've been and what you've been doing. And of course, you know, in the future, we will be talking to the people from Hope House and from the uh, Search and Rescue as well on the podcast. So you can find out a little bit more about what they do as well. Thank you very much for this, Rob. Uh, It's fascinating. Again, really nice to know what you're up to and and how you're working your way up to this uh, monumental event in July and September this year. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, I'm very impressed. I couldn't even even imagine doing 10 miles, let alone 100. Everything's relative though, isn't it? Of course it is. Yes, exactly. So thank you very much. We will see you all in in a month's time. Uh, Until then, stay safe, look after yourselves. And uh, as I said, if you do want to get in contact, uh, the details will be with the show notes. So thank you very much. And thank you very much, Rob. Cheers. This is a 1386 audio production.